You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour, and if you missed our Nick Kiprios conversation, I think we can revisit that. Super interesting stuff on the American Hockey League. Mixed in some Calgary Flames talk, too. Speaking of those flames, we'll talk to our man Julian McKenzie, reporter for The Athletic, coming up at 8 o'clock. And we're giving away tickets to for you. Well, not you, Maddie, but our listeners, to go see The Equalizer 3. Here, you ready for the topic? Since giving up his today. life as a government assassin. Yeah, it's very sporty. Robert today. McCall has struggled to reconcile the horrific things oh. he's done in the past and finds yep. a strange solace. In serving justice on yes. behalf of the oppressed. Damn right. Um, that's good music in the background. Finding himself unsurprisingly at home in southern Italy, he discovers his new friends are under the control of local crime bosses. Are you ready for today's topic that we're going to give away? As events turn deadly, McCall knows what he has to do. Become his friend's protector by taking on the mafia. I'm done. That's uh, that's, that's the synopsis. Just make sure you got it out. They missed the part where he's the equalizer, but it's fine. Um, Denzel Washington is the equalizer. Thank you. So um, here's our sporty text question, 960-960, name and location, that you can win tickets for at 830, and we'll do some texting McTexterson and then have the conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Which team is more likely to make it to the postseason? The 2023 Toronto Blue Jays or the 23-24 Calgary Flames? Hmm. I'd say See, Blue Jays It's a right thinker, now. isn't it? Blue, it's th- a thinker. I, no, I, I think it's Blue Jays. I think it's Blue Jays. Really? Yep. And yep. why? If Tell I, us why. You make us laugh, you'll probably win the tickets. But which team is more likely to make it to the postseason? The 23 Blue Jays or the 23-24 Flames? 960-960, name and location. Very sporty today for the text topic. Mm-hmm, extremely. Usually I like to do a lot of nonsense. But today it's very sporty. Very sporty show today. Lots of the sports. Like, you were all over the U.S. Open like a dirty shirt. You know me. I love it. Big fan. You love your your Grand Slam tennis. Yes, sir. Especially early round. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to ask that question to show about the tennis player with that record. Don't say his name. I want to see if our next guest can get it right off the hop. Uh, You hear him on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Does a terrific job of carving the Blue Jays. My man, Ali on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Good morning, friend. How are you? Good morning, George. Man, how are you guys doing? So, um, my man Novak Djokovic last night uh, won his first set, six love, the old bagel. Uh, that's the 49th time he's done that in a Grand Slam. One behind the leader with 50. That leader is this person. I'm going to start giving you the clues. Let's see how quickly you can get the name because Matty had no idea. He was a flamboyant player who won his first major at Wimbledon. Gosh. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess Pete Sampras. Ooh no. Um he is he uh he calls home Las Vegas, Nevada. 
Boy, Las Vegas. I honestly I have no idea. <laughs> He's I married to Steffi Graf. Gosh, I'm picturing uh, John McEnroe. Andre Agassi. Thank you, oh, show. Agassi, Thank okay. you. Appreciate it. All right. You right. <laughs> um, both horribly disappointed me today. Yeah, random <laughs> trivia from 90s tennis stars. Sorry. Okay. Not my wheelhouse. All right. Uh, oh, I was also going to say he was married to Brooke Shields at one time, too. You wouldn't have got really? that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Didn't last long, but he was married to Brooke Shields. Good friend. Okay, as this show comes to a screeching halt, <laughs> let's talk about the Blue Jays. Um, this Bo Bichette injury, uh, how concerning is it? Because, show, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm a dumbo. That's why I do sports radio. Doesn't this feel like uh, he's overcompensating injury and that this was kind of inevitable with what he's dealing with with his knee? Yeah, it does kind of feel like it's like it's it's going to compound itself because of the knee thing. Maybe the maybe he was brought back a little bit too soon because they had said uh, when he when he was just about to come back. I remember both Ross Atkins and John Schneider both saying, "Yeah, he's probably going to be worked in to the DH role at some point." And then he just wasn't really. I think there was one game in which he did DH, but for the most part, he played at short. So. I mean, Bo's the kind of player who I've learned is, is just, it, when he plays, he wants to go all out. Like, there was even a clip when he, on the day he was DHing where he was like jogging in place in the dugout when he was uh, not on the field. So this guy clearly just loves to be on the field. So maybe this, it was exacerbated. Even if it is a completely new injury, it's, it's tough because now you're going to be – quad injuries are so tough, right? So you're going to be without – you're starting shortstop, and he's been pretty good defensively, but you look at the order, and he, with George Springer back atop the order, in theory you would like to have Bo Bichette batting second, but without Bo, you're going to have to essentially go Springer, Belt, Vladdy, and then kind of a question mark, especially because Chapman on the IL also hadn't been playing all that well. You still want the guys like Jansen and Varsho to be playing a little bit lower in the order. So all that to say that with Bo Bichette, you know, if he, he's day-to-day, which I guess is good. We'll find out in the next couple of hours what the results of this MRI are. But uh, for to be missing your, your best player is never good because, I mean, the cliches are true. They always have some kernel of truth to them, and uh, you, you need your biggest bats to perform. And, I mean, Springer and Vladdy have been looking better, but, I mean, mm. the, the Blue Jays want to make the playoffs. You guys are talking about the playoff question, can the Jays make the playoffs? Will the Flames make the playoffs? You know what? I kind of agree with Matt, but at the same time, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs if you don't have Bo Bichette. Like, it feels like right now, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but the organization is kind of doing a little bit of a risk versus reward exercise here. Like, obviously, you'd like to have Bo for this playoff push, but you also kind of need him if you get into the postseason. Do you feel like that's kind of what they're doing right now, trying to figure out how to basically use the rest of Bo Bichette's season before whatever happens at the end of the year? It does kind of feel like we're, we're approaching, the, if not already in it, the whole load management discussion when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, Bo. Because, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to do something like that if they want to use him in every single game for the playoffs. And, and you're right. I mean, what the, the Blue Jays are, not, are no stranger to this quote-unquote load management term that we've kind of coined since the Kawhi Leonard days in Toronto. But, you know, I mean, you look at George Springer, he's been load managed uh, pretty well over the last couple of seasons when he's been dealing with the ankle and leg injuries and all sorts of things. So I, I kind of do feel like that's probably for the best. Although I, I can't tell you that anyone would have had Ernie Clement and David Schneider at short and third on their bingo card this year. 
<laughs> and then, well, like you mentioned, Bo, the defense has been fine, but right beside him, Hawk Corner. Now Matt Chapman hits the IL as well. And like you just laid out, uh, that left side of the infield is questionable. Would that be a fair word for to use here? Yeah, I think so. I, honestly, Matt, when I, when I saw the the roster move come down that Chapman was going to the IL, I honestly half expected the other half of that roster move to say Addison Barger called up from the minors or Aurelvis Martinez called up from the minors, and it and it ended up being neither of those guys and Ernie Clement. And don't, he actually had a pretty good day yesterday. I think he had two hits against the Nationals last night. And again, the Nationals are not they're, they're not the Rays, they're not the Orioles. They're not the Rangers or the Mariners. They're not the teams the Blue Jays are trying to catch. So I think you, you would, they're, they're one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that they had been playing very well. But I think you expect the Blue Jays to win. Having said that, I don't think anyone expected a whole lot of offense from Ernie Clement. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a real adventure because it certainly feels like now that Bo is on – well, not on the IL, but now that he's on the bench for a little bit and, and is considered day-to-day – there is no real one guy who's going to be the starting shortstop. I think mean, a lot of people probably thought it could have been Santiago Espinal, but Paul DeYoung. Part of F- what's that? I'm oh, sorry, Paul DeYoung. Sorry. Oh, Paul DeYoung. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, he, he was supposed to be that guy. DeYoung gets away from the Jays and then he goes and has like three or four RBI in his first game for the for the Giants. <laughs> like, who would have thought that was going to happen? Um, show uh, this David Schneider stuff. Um. Is if for for those uh, who kind of just watch casually and like, why isn't this guy in the lineup all the time? Is it the fact that he just struggles with guys who throw high velo and then you know they throw up in the zone and he kind of chases it? Because other than that, I don't see a reason why you just you got to leave this guy in the lineup. He's just producing and he feels like he just gives the spark, you know, seemingly every time he's in the lineup. Is that the reason why we maybe haven't seen as much as we should be of Babe Schneider? It kind of feels like uh, based on some of the conversations. I've had some of the players in the clubhouse in the last day or two, um, especially in this past weekend series against the Guardians. It, it, it felt like a lot of it what had to do with vets getting more playing time over rookies because Schneider is 24, and I think they just didn't want to displace uh, someone like Whit Merrifield or a Matt Chapman or someone in the outfield. And, and Merrifield plays in left, and we've seen David Schneider now play in left. But just they didn't want to displace any of the vets for a rookie, and I think now that certainly they, their hand has been forced not only by the injuries, but their hand has been forced by David Schneider just playing exceptionally well, right? I mean, he had one of he's hit so many uh, so many home runs for a guy who's only seen so many plate appearances, which has been great to see. But I, I actually think his perhaps most impressive plate appearance in the majors came last night when he had the RBI. I think it was RBI single or double, but he worked a pretty long played appearance against one of the Nationals relievers, and he, he, he saw, took some pitches that were pretty high. Like you said, he struggled with the high velo and managed to lay off a couple times. He saw some pitches inside just on that were borderline on the edges of the strike zone, and he managed to not swing. I just For someone who is that young, you don't often see such a mature uh, approach at the plate. And, I mean, heck, we haven't seen it that much for some of the more potent bats on this lineup who are not rookies, right? So it was kind of nice nice to see that from David Schneider, and I think he has absolutely forced their hand. And I guess the nice thing is he can clearly play everywhere. He can play at second, he can play at third, he can play at left. I, I expect to see him more at second and third, especially with Chapman on the IL, but I, 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 I got to think that as long as Chapman is down, they're going to give the opportunity 
to Schneider to really grab a position. And especially if you want to be able to put Merrifield, for example, at second and have your entire outfield of Varsho, Kiermaier, Springer, then it doesn't really leave a lot of spaces for Schneider to play other than third. So as long as he can handle third, then that's mm-hmm. definitely a great thing because his bat absolutely needs to be in the lineup, I would say, every day. Shoali uh, from the Sportsnet Radio Network does a great job covering the Blue Jays, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. Um, we saw it for last night from Vlad Jr. We're seeing what Julio Rodriguez is doing for the Mariners. He is absolutely Ooh. on a tear right now. Is that what the Blue Jays need from Vlad here, especially with this bow injury to get into the postseason? They need him to get red hot right now. Yeah, they really do. They really they need it in the worst way, right? Especially with the bow injury, like you say, George. And I mean, J Rod has been playing insane. Like he has, like it's something like the the most span of four hits in a ten game span since like nine, the year nineteen hundred, which is just absurd. So I I I would take even like half of that from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We know he likes to swing at the first pitch. He loves it. And uh, to be fair to Vladdy, he's I think he's batting around four hundred when he swings at the first pitch. So he clearly is going to continue finding some level of success when he does it. But it, it can be a little frustrating. To see him, especially against pitchers, like with the Nationals, for example, so many of those guys, they, they basically ran a bullpen day yesterday, it felt like. And he was still swinging at the first pitch when some of these guys were felt like they were really having trouble locating the strike zone. You don't always have to work a pitcher, but for someone like Vladdy, who, who's supposed to have such a, a great eye, it feels like maybe he, he should do it a little bit more. The good thing is, over the last seven games, he has an OPS of almost 900, which is great to see because... Vladimir Guerrero Jr., like you say, George, like the, the team will go as the bats of Springer, Bo, and Vladdy go. And with Bo on the, uh, not on the IL, but with Bo down for now, you're going to need more from Springer, which you have at least been getting, and you are going to need more from Vladdy. The nice thing is, is that the teams that their Blue Jays are facing until, I guess it's like the end of next week, they're playing the Nationals, the Rockies, the A's, and the Royals. And all four of those teams, in some order, are essentially the four worst teams by team ERA in all of Major League Baseball. So they need to take advantage of this relatively soft stretch here. It's it's going to be a tall order to go like ten and you know ten and two or eleven and one over twelve games, let's call it. But even if, even against soft quote unquote a soft stretch like this, but it starts with Vladdy. Like he needs to be knocking in more runs. I know he didn't hit a home run yesterday, but he blasted that double off the base of the wall and the national is kind of scrambling for it so we need more from that from vladdy if, if you want to see more success for the blue jays yesterday it is jordan hicks that comes in and gets the save have you has the bullpen deployment been as you expected since the trade deadline bringing in cabrera and hicks and then also getting healthy with romano romano oh yeah you know what matt cabrera has been a great surprise i gotta say like just having a another lefty who can come out of the pen and throw gas is absolutely welcome because really it's like you don't you want to have someone you want someone come out of the bullpen other than Tim Meza and it's unfortunate what happened with Meza on the weekend against the Guardians because he has been so reliable all year I think he came into that appearance with an ERA that was less than one so you know you don't want to always be leaning so hard on Meza all the time so it's nice to have Yenisus Cabrera come in there and be able to sh- throw some shutdown innings as he's ha- as he has done so often in his career as a Blue Jay, which is a huge turnaround from his days with the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, you're right. Like when when it comes to Jordan Romano, he had a, b- a bit of a shaky start when he came off the IL, but by and large has been pretty darn good. And he had some 
two great innings of, of trying to hold the score where it was in the extra innings loss uh, in, on the weekend against the Guardians in that same game. But, uh, you know, the bullpen deployment has been pretty good. I mean, I guess when you have a, a great great options at basically every level, it makes certainly makes John Schneider's job easier. But, I mean, Jordan Hicks, for example, I think, I think the, the only thing, and I think we're kind of seeing what some of the Cardinals' uh, beat writers and some of the Cardinals' fans were saying after Hicks got traded to Toronto, but I think the only thing with him is that that kind of confounds me is that he can throw 103 miles an hour with some sinkers that move around the plate. And then sometimes he'll like throw the sweeper, you know, throw the slider. And like there, there was a game a couple of, maybe about last week, I think, where he threw what, like 12 straight sinkers and kind of just challenged batters to, to he basically going out and saying, Hey, catch up to this pitch, catch up to 102, 103. And, and they couldn't. And I just, I think sometimes it's baffling when he just, doesn't do that as much because you know he can so i don't know if that's just like a mental thing i don't know if that's that's more of a relationship with the catcher mm-hmm. whether it's danny jansen or Alejandro kirk thing i just would like to see more of the gas from hicks um and again i know they all operate with the ipads and so on but when you throw that hard even if you are making contact off of it like you're probably not making good contact if you're as a batter so Perhaps that's the only thing I would like to see more from Hicks, but by and large, the bullpen has been very good, even with this, and it sounds horrible, the thoracic spine inflammation. Gosh, that sounds awful for Swanson, but apparently Chad Green might be back relatively soon, which is uh, always a boost. What happens when Chad Green comes back, and hopefully Eric Swanson as well? I gotta think... So Jay Jackson was the call-up in place of uh, Swanson going to the IL, so Let's say Jackson probably goes back down, and I guess Bowden Francis would have to go back down as well, which is kind of a shame, honestly, because i got to say, Bowden Francis, for a guy who has effectively been the mop-up guy, like he's been the, whether you're up or down big, he comes in, he eats like two or three innings, and he's been pretty good in that role. He has a pretty nice curveball. The fastball looks pretty good for him as well, but the curve is something that really kind of surprised me because it looks very good for such a young guy. But, yeah, I think if Bowden Francis has to go down – it makes sense because I think you do obviously want to have Eric Swanson and Chad Green in there as much as humanly possible. But Bounded Francis has surprised me to the point where I kind of wonder if there is a bigger role for him, at the very least next year. Perhaps hmm. not in the next 30 days because the, season, the regular season ends on October 1st, so there's not that much time left in the regular season. But I do kind of wonder if there is just more meat on the bone for Bowden Francis looking forward to 2024 because I think he has proven that he has been able to get He's been able to hold that Mitch White long man role better than perhaps anyone else we've seen, like Thomas Hatch or Casey Lawrence or any Anthony Kay, any of those guys we've seen in in the last like two three years. Bowden Francis has done it way better, but you're right when it, when when Chad Green and Swanson comes back, he he and Jay Jackson probably both going down. Joe, how annoying is it that the Blue Jays are twelve and twenty five against their division and sixty and thirty five against the rest of baseball, even if they were just mediocre? against the AL East, this team's firmly in a playoff spot. Yeah, it's wild, George. Like they're, they, they finished the season series 3-10 and 10 against the Baltimore Orioles. Like at the very, I guess at least you have some runway in order to improve that record because there are three final games against the Red Sox coming up in a couple of weeks. And then you end the, series, the season pardon me, with, with uh, two series each against the Rays and Yankees, one on the road and one at home against both those teams. But uh, a 12 and 25 record is just, it's kind of unacceptable for the expectations that were set 
for this Blue Jays team, like especially against the Orioles, which is crazy because it's kind of like the same conversation you and I had last year about the Blue Jays just waxing the Boston Red Sox basically all season. It's like essentially the, the entire reason the Red Sox did not, did not make the playoffs last year is because they had an absolutely abysmal record against the Blue Jays. And they had a pretty good record last year against the rest of Major League Baseball. It's kind of the same thing this year with the Blue Jays. And I guess to a lesser extent, the Red Sox, but uh, you can make that number look a little more positive, but you can't change anything about the Orioles. It is, it is truly baffling. I, I think it will look better after you play the Rays because they're kind of sort of scuffling with the loss of a, a number of players for a number of different reasons. And then certainly the Yankees have looked just horrible for most of the season. So if you can take advantage of it and turn that number a, a little bit around and you end it, maybe it's like a you're not gonna you're not gonna get back to 500. I, I would think, but at the very least, if it's just a little under 500, that's a little more acceptable. But I can't say that anyone right. expected this for a team that would have, in theory, contended for the division, and that's probably out of the question now. Show Ali does a great job of um, covering the Blue Jays for the Sportsnet Radio Network show. It's going to be a fun uh, September here coming up, and a lot of nail-biting uh, for Blue Jays fans. It should be fun. Hopefully they can squeeze into the playoffs. Thanks for this, pal. Yeah, anytime, guys. Uh, you think uh, Denzel Washington says, I'm going to equalize you at any point? Like, I hope he does. Pro- I hope so. Like, I hope he does. It feels like uh, a missed if opportunity does. if he doesn't. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, show you should uh, you should text in. Our topic is um, who's more likely to make the playoffs: uh, the twenty three Blue Jays or the twenty three twenty four Calgary Flames? Ooh, you know what? I, only because of this next very uh, very quote unquote easy stretch plus that four game set against the Rangers coming up. I'm going to say the Blue Jays because they have their destiny in their own hands. But if they if, if you ask me this question at the end of like the Rocky series and they've gone like three and three against the Nationals and Rockies, it might very well be the Flames. <laughs> For sure. Uh, real quick, your thoughts on Oppenheimer? Here's mine. Uh, it's a great movie. I'm never going to see again. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm fully with you. It's a fantastic movie of people largely talking in rooms, which I enjoyed, but I don't know that I'm going to watch it again either. Yeah, <laughs> largely talking in rooms. You're right. I think that's a great synopsis of Oppenheimer. Thanks for this, pal. Let's do it again soon. See you guys.